where would we be? We would be lost without him. We would be desperate. In a desperate state. And I'm thinking of the young man this morning. His name was Thomas. And all he kept proclaiming was that he was a a sinner and he wanted to repent. Whether it was the drugs he were on or whatever he was on, that heading to that reality, he was really desperate to see Jesus Christ and to repent of his sins. And Father God, we're declaring that we know what that feels like because we too was lost without you. And that if it had not been and you sending your son to die for us, we would be lost. And now, Father God, we're desperate for more of you, more of knowledge of you, more of your grace, more of your compassion, more of your faithfulness, because you've been faithful and good to us. And we come today to praise you for who you are. Come praising you for taking us out of our desperate lives and bringing us to yourself. And we come to say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Been a, a busy morning, amen? We're still on our church series, and I have to confess this one right here takes me. Um, the core values, and, you know, for the life of me, all. For the last two weeks, I'm looking for a passage that I can just preach out of that passage and bring everything together in all 11 core values. And the Lord didn't give me anything. <laughs> the Lord didn't give me anything. So he says, the core values of the churches are the core values. So I have to take each one separate and talk about each one because they stand on their own. So I need for you to pray for me because it takes me out of my comfort zone. Amen? But let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to him. Amen? And if it's acceptable to him, then you'll be blessed. Amen? So, so we, 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 we talked about church life and we're talking about church life and we talked about salvation and baptism and the Lord's table 
And then we talked about the mission. And then last week, we talked about God's vision for his church. Today, we want to talk about some of the core values that we as a church should have. And the first one ought to be that we are mission-driven. Everything we do is driven by our mission. And our mission is to make disciples out of a dying world. Because someone made disciples out of us. Amen? So we're mission-driven. And we can see that every week we have a missionary that we, we highlight every week. Amen? And Marquis kind of preached on missions already, that all of us are a missionary in our own right, or we're called to be. Amen? Whether it's that as you're, you're witnessing to your children, you're witnessing on your job, in school, in the neighborhood. And the true reality of it is you're witnessing one way or the other without even trying. Amen? But let, let, let's turn to Acts chapter 9, verse 10 to 16. This, this, is, this is when, when Paul... At this time, his name was called Saul of Tarsus. And, 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 and Saul of Tarsus was a Pharisee. Remember, Jesus always had conflict with the Pharisees. Not only was he a Pharisee, he was of the highest sect of the Pharisees. He was of the Sanhedrin tribe. And he had authority from the chief priests to go and find Christians and drag them into court and even kill them. And one day he's on his way to Damascus and the Lord meets him, blinds him, and knocks him to the ground. And the voice says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus who you persecuted. And he blinds him and he sends him to Ananias. Well, he sends him and he sends Ananias to him, but gives him a vision of Ananias coming to him. And he says here, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias and and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street, which is called straight, and inquire in the house of Judah for one called Saul of Tars. For behold, he prayeth. And has seen in the vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard 
by many of this man, how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said to him, go thy way, for he is my chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. The Lord told Ananias, he's my chosen vessel to proclaim my name to kings and to Gentiles and that he will suffer many things for my name's sake. All those who are called or are, are, are born again, called by God, are his chosen vessels. We sung it today. Let me be a chosen vessel. He's my chosen vessel. You're his chosen vessel to proclaim his gospel to a dying world. Pastor Dave always comes up with this. We ought to live our lives so much that people ask us. Amen? This, this, this has got to be one of Pastor Dave's favorite scriptures. 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you the reason for the hope that lies in you with meekness and with fear. So, so, so we ought to live our lives mission focused that people say, how can you put up with that? How do you endure that when people come against you? How can you constantly give your best at that job when they keep overlooking you? And it's the hope that lies within me. Because my work's not to me, it's unto the Lord. Amen? Go back to Acts chapter 26, verses 19 and 20. This is after Saul of Tarsus has changed his name to Paul. And he has proclaimed the gospel around the world. And now he's arrested. And he's going to court on his way to Rome. And he has been in front of uh, Felix and Festa and now King Agrippa. And look what it says. Whereupon, O King, this is Paul asking, after Paul gives his testimony, of, of, and he retells the story of Acts 9, that a, a light came around him and blinded him and, and Ananias received the sight. And he's now telling this to King Agrippa. Whereby King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavy vision, but showed first to them at Damascus and at Jerusalem 
and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do the works meet for repentance. Amen? That, 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 that's what Thomas was asking about, that he wanted to repent. That young man that's trying to come in here today, that was clearly something was going on with him, but he asked about repentance. But Paul says that's his mission. That's our mission, that people would repent and come to Amen. So that's our mission. That's our value, that we're mission vision. Our whole life ought to be to that people would repent and come to know the Savior. Because without it, we're lost. Amen. And then that's uh, not only we're mission vision, driven, we're Bible-centered. We're Bible-centered. We, we, we don't proclaim our thoughts and our ideas. We proclaim what thus saith the Lord. Amen? We, we proclaim the gospel of Jesus. We, we proclaim what is written. When Jesus was, was, thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me that this moment. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness after being in the wilderness for 40 days, Satan tempted him to turn the stones into bread. He said, it is written. He tempted him to go into the temple, and he would give him all that he could say. He said, it is written. Three times, it is written. So all we have it is is his word. We're Bible center. Turn, turn to 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. This could be a memory verse and it should. So you got two memory verses this week. This one and the one in your paper. Uh, all scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God which means it is God-breathed and is profitable for doctrine, which is teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So it's good for, the word of God is good for teaching. Not only is it good for teaching, but when I'm in the word of God, it, it shows me where I'm wrong. It reproves me. It lets me know what I'm doing ain't right. Not only is it good for reproof, it is good for correction. But it shows me what's not right. It shows me what is right. And then it gives me instructions on how to stay right. That the man of God may be perfect, not perfect. That word perfect means he's mean mature. 
that I might grow up. Because none of us is perfect in that sense. But that word means mature. And thoroughly furnished to all good works that we might be able to accomplish the mission. Amen? So the word of God is God-breathed. It is God-breathed. Listen, the Bible was written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years. And God allowed these 40 authors to write in their own style and their own personality without any contradiction because it was God-breathed. Turn to 2 Timothy 1.21. And it says, For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. See, God's the author of all scripture. He's the divine author, but he allowed Peter to write in his own style, in his own personality. He allowed Paul to, to write in his own style, in his own personality. And, and if you look at their writings and John to write in his own style, you can see and you can acknowledge that that fits Peter, that fits Paul. But it's God breathed and God moved. So we're Bible centered. And then the third thing, we're worship focused. Or a focus, and we do everything we do so that we might learn to worship God. Now, I know you think the only time is worship is when the praise and worship team is up here and we sing it. But everything is worship. Our life should be a constant worship to God. And I didn't give this one to Mark, but Romans 12, 2. It says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your body living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship or service. See, see, see we, our service is an act of worship. Our life should be an act of worship. Amen? The scripture we do have is, is Romans 15. Five and six. Now the God of patience and consolation grant to you to be like-minded one towards another according to Christ Jesus that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God even the Father of our Lord Jesus. That that oneness that we talked about last week that God's vision for us was Oneness, that we as a collective body or to just to emulate the, the glory of God. 
lives ought to be a testimony of how good he is. Craving how faithful he's been to us. Amen. So we're worship focused. And we don't do anything without prayer. Amen. We, we depend on prayer for strength, for courage, for, for unity. We, we, we pray. We're, we're dependent on prayer. Because we know without him, we can do nothing. But with him, all things are possible. So we're constantly in a state of prayer. That, 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 oh, here's another one that's come to my mind. That other scripture that comes to my mind in Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. When, when I first heard that, I'm like, well, you can't just walk around with your eyes closed praying. No, but it means to pray about everything that comes across your mind. I'm prayerful about everything. Regardless of how small it is. Whether to wear a black sweater or a gray sweater. Amen? Amen. Whether to take 295 or 42. <laughs> look, look at Acts chapter 4. Verses 23 to 31. This is this Acts, this is the beginning of the church. And, um, Day of Pentecost is Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John is going into the temple at the gate called Beautiful. And there's a man there that has been crippled for 38 years. And he was carried there every day that he may beg for alms. And they're going into the temple, and he fastened there. He, he, he sees Peter and John, and he asks for alms, for money. And Peter and John looked at him and said, Silver and gold, I have none. But such that I have, I give to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up. The man got up, got strength in the bones of his ankles and his limbs, went into the temple, leaping and praising God. People wanted to worship Peter and John. Peter and John said, well, we men just like you. Worse, Jesus Christ did this, whom you crucified. And because they talked about him, them crucified, they arrested them and told them, do not preach anymore in that name. Peter and John says, whether it's right to listen to you, or be obedient to God. We're going to be obedient to God. 
and he leaves, he let them go. And being let go, they went into their own company and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said unto them. And when they had heard that they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David said, why, have, why did the heathen reign and the people imagine vain things? The, the king of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pilate with the Gentiles and all the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Nothing is done without the knowledge of God. And now, Lord, behold, thou threatening and grant to thy servant that thou, that, that with all boldness, they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. They're praying. Listen, we talked about the mission in 2 Timothy that there will be hardship. Two weeks ago, we talked about that hardship that you might encounter proclaiming the gospel. They're praying that they might get boldness to speak his word. Pray for boldness because this world is hostile towards Jesus Christ. So we pray for boldness. Amen? So we're prayer dependent. And then we have loving relationships. Every relationship we have ought to exhibit the love of Christ. Ought to exhibit the love of Christ. With that nasty boss that gets on your last nerve or to exhibit the love of Christ. With, 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 with that wayward child that works your last nerve, it ought to exhibit. Yeah, Brandon, is he talking about you? <laughs> The spouse that this just constantly picks at that, constantly get that that that, that button, that push that button. But every relationship or to show that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. I 
I can remember before I went to the state, I worked in Camden uh, for this nonprofit organization. And, and when I left, because I didn't give her four weeks notice and only two, they wouldn't pay me for my sick time and all that. Well, I could have just took the two weeks off and but said I want to work every day. When I'm leaving, she says, uh, one thing about him, I've never seen him mad, never seen him upset. And I think it has something to do with his faith. So we're prayer driven. And our relationships are always loving, even when we don't get it back. Look at what Jesus tells his disciples. You remember in John, John 13, you remember in John 13, this is the last week of Jesus' life, and he calls his disciples in. And 13 1 says, and Jesus, knowing that his, the time was at hand, he, he girded a towel around and, and took a basin and washed the disciples' feet. Washed their feet. And, and, and then he told them that he would was ready to go to the cross, that he wouldn't be with them longer. But one of them will betray him. And all of them said, Lord, is it I? Is it I? And he told John, the one I dipped my hand in and sucked with, that's the one would betray me. And, and Judas was the one, and they didn't even realize it. And he told Judas, the things you get ready to do, go do it quickly. And then he says, all of you going to desert me. And Peter said, not me. And he said, before the cock crows twice, you would have denied me three times. But this is what Peter tells, this is what Jesus tells in, in John 13, verse 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. Amen? That, that, that identifies us and makes us distinct from the rest of the world. The rest of the world. Their love has to be reciprocal. I only love you as much as you love me. I'll only do for you as much as you do for me. But unconditional love loves when they don't get it back. I think the depth, and I, I said this definition before. And I got it from Chip Ingram, and I don't think it was new to him either. But it goes like this. Love is giving somebody what they need the most when they deserve it the least at a great cost to you. At a great cost to you. Love costs something. None of us Deserve Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. 
but he did. None of us deserve it. It cost him everything. It cost him his life. And we're called to have that kind of thought. We're called to exhibit that kind of love to a dying world. So when people see us in the way we interact with one another, they ought to say, there's some loving people there. There's some forgiving people. Because love covers a multitude of sin. I don't care how many times you hurt me, how many times you cuss me out, I still love you. And that's the kind of relationships we exhibit to the world. And we're cultural revelers. We relate to our culture we're not accepting of everything we do, but we're, we, we, we can relate to them, all right? Because we know what it's like to be lost without a Savior. Amen? And our mission is to save them. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, for though I be free from all men, yet I have made myself a servant to all. He says, listen, Christ has set me free. I ain't got to worry about what you think about me no more. I'm free. But yet I have made myself a servant to you all. That right there is enough to blow your mind. Now, I'm free, but I've made myself a servant out of love. That I might gain the more. Unto the Jew, I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jew. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I may gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I may gain them that are without the law. Listen, he, he's not saying that he became what they became. But he identifies with them and meet them where they are. Listen, I don't have to be a drug addict to go back and to identify with a drug addict. I know what it's like to be in sin. I don't have to practice homosexuality to identify with the homosexuality, the homosexual. 
He says, to the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made, I am made all things to all men, that by, that I might by all means save some. Okay? He, he doesn't say, I'm going to save all. He said, I identify with them that I might save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker with you. See, it's for the gospel. It's for the mission. We're mission-driven. So I can identify with law center. I can identify with Thomas coming in here. Because I know what it's like to be without Christ. I know some of you might have been saved since you were two. <laughs> or at least think you were saved. <laughs> but that wasn't for me. That wasn't my story. Amen? And truth of it is, it, it wasn't your story. And, and, and even if it is your story, you're still dealing with sin now. Amen? So, so we identify with people where they are. And we use that as a springboard to proclaim God's goodness and faithfulness. So we can win people to Christ. And then Romans 8, I mean Romans 14, 1 to 13, permission uh, about our giving. Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful distance. For one believe that he may eat often, another who is weak eateth only herbs. Let him that eateth despise, let him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him that eateth not Judge him that eateth, for God has received him. Who art thou that judges another man's servant? To his own master he stand or fall. Yea, he shall be holden up by God, for God is able to make him stand. He says, you got to realize this. Most of them coming out of Judaism, where they couldn't eat certain things, especially pork and seafood like lobster and shrimp because they were bottom feeders. So they wouldn't eat all those things. But God, when God showed Peter that, that gave him that first drive-in movie theater where the curtain came down and showed him all these things. And Peter said, and he told him, rise and eat. 
Peter said, Lord, I've never ate anything uncommon. He says, who are you to call anything that God made uncommon? So, so, so we pray over our food and eat. Amen? But, but, but if some would, and we'll get to it. So that's, that's the culture and where this is coming from. And then he says, and one man esteems one day above another, and another esteems every day alike. That every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he does it not regard it. For he that eat, eateth unto the Lord. And he that, for he gives God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and give God thanks. So, and then about those days, and some holidays that we celebrate, and some people don't want to celebrate. So, because they say Christmas, for one, it was not Christ's birthday, right? So, some people refuse to celebrate. He's saying, don't, 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 don't divide over those kind of things. If it's in your conscience, then eat. If if you want to celebrate it, celebrate it. But don't hold each other. And if you celebrate it, give God thanks. If you don't celebrate, give God thanks. For none of us live to himself. And no man died for himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be both of the dead and the living. But why do you judge thy brother? Or why does thy not? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For if, for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account to himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more. But judge this, rather, that no man put a stumbling block in front of his brother. So here's the principle. Listen, if I have the freedom to eat pork chops, then I got the freedom to eat pork chops. But if I know eating pork is going to offend Brandon, then I want to have the freedom to refrain. Amen? Because if that's a stumbling block for him, what's funny, Greg? I was cooking pork chops today. <laughs> but if that's one of the, the things, you know, I won't invite you over. <laughs> but but that's we have freedoms to live in Christ because we're free. 
But if our liberty going to offend a weaker brother, then I'm strong enough to refrain from that. Amen? Out of love. Out of love. I inconvenience myself for your sake. So that we might be one. This is what we value. That's why we always talk about other-centeredness. Listen, you've been selfish all your life. Amen? So stop putting stumbling blocks in front of people. Yeah, you're free to do and live like for Christ because Christ has set you free. But don't, but become free to be a servant to others as Christ served you. He, he said, I didn't come to be served. I came to give my life a ransom for many. And he has called you to live that kind of life. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Listen, I, I want to be free to do what I want to do when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And don't care what you say or what you think. But Christ has set me free that I don't have to live by the dictates of my own desires. Because when I lived by the dictates of my own desire, it held me in bondage. But now, when I live with you in mind, and the gospel in mind, that the gospel might be spread among them. I'm truly free. See, it, it, it wasn't the drugs I had to be set free from. It was me that I had to be set free from. Amen? And then, ooh, Time is getting beyond it. And then unity and diversity. And we talked about this last week and Wednesday night. Ephesians 2 to 18. For he is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the bitter hatred, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinance. For to make in himself plant one new man and making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you. Were, which were afar off, and 
them that were nigh. Okay? For though, for through him, we both have access by one spirit. Home of Jews and Gentiles. Okay? How he had broke the middle wall partition. Because the Jews, you say, listen, you could be a part of the Jewish nation if you were a Gentile, but you were on the outer court. You couldn't come in temporary. If this was Jewish custom, Gentiles had out in the park. But he had broken down the middle wall. And turn to chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoners of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body. One spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. See the unity in that? So he calls us to be one. He calls us to be one. And we got two more. I'm in good time. Pursuit of excellence. We don't do things perfectly, but we strive to do things in excellence. Amen? Because of who we do it for. Look at Colossians 3.20. 3:23 and 24. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men, knowing that the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for the servant, the Lord Christ. For you serve the Lord Christ. Listen, on your job. You, you're still work, though you work for the state of New Jersey or whatever, whoever you work for, UPS or uh, wherever, Cooper Hospital, wherever, your work is unto the Lord. You still represent him there. Amen? So, so you work Hardly as unto the Lord. Not, not pleasing your boss, but pleasing your master. Amen? And then our last value is that we hold each other to mutual accountability. We hold each other accountable. And sometimes that means getting in each other's business. Amen? We don't like that. It takes a little courage to do that. Amen? But that's what we're called to do. To hold each other accountable 
on how we lived out this Christian life. Amen? Look what it says. Hebrews chapter 10. Memory verse. 24. And let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works. We, we, we provoke. Come, come, come on, man. You can pick it up. You, you know what I mean? We provoke one another. We encourage one another to live this Christian life in the spirit of excellence and to, to serve our master. Okay? So we provoke them unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It's hard to provoke. It's hard to encourage people when they ain't here. Amen? They ain't here. We, we can't encourage them. I mean, yeah, we can call them on the phone and stuff like that, but it's something different when we're together. Amen? And we, we get a chance to talk to each other, and we get a chance to get in each other's lives and each other's business and encourage each other to do better. I, I need help in that area. I need to do better. And if Mike don't tell me that I need to get it right, then I just don't know. I think I'm all right. See? <laughs> I think I'm all right. But we can't do that when we're not here. Not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exalting one another. And so much more as we see the day approaching. Listen, Christ is coming back for his church. We, we don't know when that's, when that's going to come, but we know it's coming soon. It is closer than it's ever been. Amen? Tell a little story. There was a, a, a young man teaching his son how to jump. And he had a little fake clock, and he would move the hands, and the big hand on 10 and the little hand on 2. He said, it's 10 minutes to 2. And he tricked him, and he put a 13 on the clock. And he, and he said, 13 and 6. And he said, what time is it? He said, I don't know, but it's later than it's ever been. <laughs> and Christ is coming back. And it's later than it's ever been. And as we see the day approaching, we got to be encouraging one another. We, we got to be provoking one another to do better. We, we all got room to do better. I ain't the only messed up one up here. And, and, and I need you guys to point that out. And that's what we're called to do. We're the body of Christ. This is how we live. This is what we value. And yeah, it's tough being in other people's business. 
It's tough confronting somebody when they're doing wrong. And yeah, you 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 run the risk of them looking at you sideways and might saying some words that you ain't that ain't gonna be pleasant. That's what we're called to do. Amen? Because God, Christ is coming back for a church without spot or blemish. And he's asking us to get it right now and to hold each other accountable. These are the things we value. So I'm paying time. <laughs> Lord, but but that, and I, I thank you guys for praying with me because this was a little different for me. I usually like a passage that I can just work through, but uh, this is what we're called to do. This is what we're called to value because our mission is important and it's later than it's ever been and Christ is coming back. And when he comes back, we want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. So I want to hear that. I want you to hear that. And I'm going to keep encouraging you. I'm, 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 I'm going to get into your business. And I give you permission to get in the mind. Until we all can come into the unity of one, one body. Like Christ has called us to live. That we all can live worthy of the calling he has called us to. With lowliness and meekness and long-suffering endeavoring to keep the unity of the bond of peace so we can live like the peace God has died for. I know you think you're big and bad enough to live the way you want to, but my Bible says you've been brought with a price. You're not your own. You belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Bless you.